by Hip Hop Caucuses. Think 100%. Welcome. This week, we are doing something a little different on The Coolest Show. We are releasing three episodes about the Arctic Refuge at once. Each episode represents a critical perspective on why we must protect the Arctic from oil and gas development. Interviews were recorded in person in the beginning of March this year. They were, in fact, the last interviews we did in person at The Coolest Show before we locked down due to the pandemic and change our entire production process to a completely virtual one, making my memory of the day we did these interviews a little bittersweet. I'm so glad we got to have these conversations, but there was also an ominous air as we were days away from understanding that the world was drastically changing. So let me take this moment to send love to the Native communities in Alaska who have been hit particularly hard by the coronavirus pandemic, and love to all of you listening. It's one thing after another in 2020, and I, for one, feel that in this year of truth, we have the opportunity to find more empathy, and that is a good thing, and that there is a shared sense of being in this together, and that too is a good thing. That actually provides a good segue into why we are talking about protecting the Arctic on The Coolest Show. We are truly in this fight together. In this episode, Part one of our Protect the Arctic series, we'll be talking with Bernadette Dementiv, Executive Director of the Gwich'in Steering Committee. In parts two and three, the next two episodes that follow this one, we talk with Chad Brown, founder of Soul River Incorporated, about the deeply personal connection he has to the Arctic Refuge as a military veteran and Black man in America. And we talk to Isaiah Horace a member of the Youth Council of the Gwich'in Steering Committee, and his view as a young adult who has found essential meaning and purpose in the, in the traditions of his people. We're releasing these episodes now because there is a real urgency on this issue. In the lead-up to the election, the Trump administration's Department of Interior is leveraging a new, albeit expected, attack on Arctic Refuge in Alaska. A few weeks ago, the Department of Interior announced plans for an oil and gas lease sale of 1.6 million acres on the coastal plains of the Arctic Refuge. The administration's rush to sell off the Arctic Refuge must be halted. Interior is barreling forward with plans for destructive oil and gas exploration and drilling, disregarding the serious biological cultural, and climate impacts fossil fuel extraction will have in the rapidly warming Arctic. The Gwich'in Nation, living in Alaska and Canada, and 9,000 strong, make their home on or near the migratory route of the porcupine caribou herd, and have depended on this herd for their substance and existence and culture for thousands of years. The Gwich'in people have worked to protect these lands for generations. They strongly oppose this dangerous rush to drill, which threatens to alter caribou migrations and populations, risking the Gwich'in way of life. Protecting the caribou is a matter of basic human rights. The American people were promised a robust, scientifically sound review process with public comment 
and full tribal consultation. But actions speak louder than words. Trump administration is rushing headlong to lease the area at the expense of science and sound process. The misguided rush to undermine long-held protections of the Arctic refuge is yet another example of Interior and the Trump administration regarding indigenous rights and the rush to sell out our public lands to big oil interests. Richen people has spoken in clear opposition to this dangerous rush to drill in the Arctic refuge. The refuge has, has sustained the Gwich'in people for thousands of years. They, in fact, called the coastal plain, quote, the sacred place where life begins, end quote. The United Nations' recent call to investigate the United States concerning human rights violations of the Gwich'in from the Arctic refuge drilling marks decisive action from an international treaty body. It acknowledges that the way of life and survival as Gwich'in are under a threat due to the Trump administration's plan to sell off the porcupine caribou herds birthing grounds to oil and gas interests. With that, let's get to this conversation with Bernadette. And if you are so moved to take action, please add your name to the petition at think100climate.com arctic. Man, well, first, let me just say I'm so happy to be here. Um, welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. <laughs> I've known you for so long, um, but Bernadette, for people who don't know you, let people know a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Bernadette Dementif. I'm the executive director of the Gwich'in Steering Committee. Um, I am from Fort Yukon, Alaska, which is eight miles above the Arctic Circle. I'm a grandmother of five and a mother of five. And, um, and I, I'm not an activist or I'm not an environmentalist. I'm a grandmother who's just fighting for our people, our way of life. And I didn't go looking for the fight that came to my door. So I just want to really clarify that, you know, a lot of us, this is our way of life, our identity, our food security, um, and our beliefs. And um, right now it's being targeted, so... Well, we're going to get into all the fights. We're going to discuss about the Arctic. But first and foremost, you're a grandmother? <laughs> mm -hmm. A five. I'm going to have the six one here. I just found out. Now we're saying it on the radio, so everybody's going to know. Yeah, my, my son, Bo, he's going to, his girlfriend's having another baby. Well, congratulations. So if nothing else... Everybody needs to just move to the Arctic to get that good water. <laughs> <laughs> so they can, they can, and you said that there's other grandmothers who are just like you as well. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of us that look fairly young for being grandmothers. Um, but I, I believe it's the way that we take care of our land and our waters. And it's just, um, you know, a blessed, being blessed. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. I think that's what's important. So for the folks, this is my uh, Alaska, <laughs> right? I learned this when I was there. So for folks who don't know, I have my hand, and this is like 
how you would do in Alaska. But for where's the Arctic? If you put your okay. hand up. So the start? coastal plain is right here. Top. And I'm from right there. Okay. But throughout Canada and Alaska. So the Gwich'in, the Gwich'in Steering Committee was founded in 1988 by the elders and chiefs. It was their first gathering they held in over 150 years. And they gathered because of the threat to oil and gas um, in the coastal plain. Everybody else knows it as uh, Arctic Refuge, the 1002, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, ANWR. But to my people... And for people who don't know what ANWR is... It's the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Um, but to my people, it's called Ejikwatsan Gondai Gotlit, the sacred place where life begins. So for over 40,000 years, the Gwich'in people, we migrated with the caribou, the porcupine caribou herd. They're called the porcupine caribou herd because they um, travel along the porcupine river. Wow. And they are the last land mammals on the planet, on the entire planet that travel this distance. And they've been doing this for thousands of years and they would go up to the Arctic Refuge they would go up to Ejikwatsan, go Daigotlit, and have up to 40,000 calves in a two-week period. And then they would um, go back to their wintering grounds. So there is nowhere else for them to go. The rest of Alaska, which is considered state land, is open to oil and gas development. This is the remaining, like, 5%. And they want that, too. This, is, this area is the heart of our people. We have a spiritual and cultural connection to the porcupine caribou herd. All our songs, all our stories, all our dances are directed to them. We do not worship them, but we really hold them to high. We honor them. And um, right now their um, birthing place is being threatened for oil and gas, for greed. And um, yeah, a lot of us are fairly, fairly frustrated because um, the process, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, is very sloppy. And um, it's just, they copied and pasted stuff from the other side of Alaska into the DEIS. Which is? The Draft Environmental, DEIS. The Draft Environmental Impact Statement. Yes, and so, we found some um, lakes and rivers that are 300 miles away in there. <laughs> so, you know, they do not care. We, they've had over, um, but they have about a million comments, and most of them are in support of protecting the Arctic Refuge. But they haven't, and a lot of them are from scientists, from local indigenous people. My elders are my scientists. And they tell me that this is the wrong move to make. They know this land better than anybody else. They have, those, they have the years, the thousands of years of history. And they said that this place should not be touched. It needs to remain protected. This place is so sacred to us that we don't even step foot there. And they want to open it to oil and gas development. Let's take a step back though on that. I think that you are first... You are an amazing person. Thank you. And um, I know you don't see yourself an activist, <laughs> but a grandmother. But man, that's you. What you're doing is very important, and I want everyone to really understand the way of life, what's at stake, 
and particularly for those on the lower 48. So you've kind of given a really good backdrop about um, uh, uh, this kind of what the, where the area is um, and a little bit about what's there. Just so I can kind of, what, what we know is that the Arctic is a beautiful place. Describe that, and then we'll describe what's there, like with the oil, and what has now caused that beauty and that greed to collide. So first describe just the community about, you mentioned the Gwich'in, is the Gwich'in tribe the only tribe there? Are there other tribes? I mean, kind of give okay. a little bit more of this, that, this, the, the folks who have never heard anything about the Arctic and okay. they're listening for the first time, give a little bit more of that background. So the, um, in Alaska, there's many, many different tribes. There's over 227 federally recognized tribes. So um, the Anupiaq are another group of indigenous people of Alaska um, that live in the area. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the thing about the Arctic Refuge is, like, I could close my eyes and you'll see the exhibits here. One of the exhibits is um, you can look out and you'll see um, the whole, just beautiful, just the mountains, the rivers, the lakes. You'll see, um, like, a waterfall just trickling down the mountain. And, you know, um, for me personally, I just want to share. And when I, I used to work for Gwich'in Steering Committee in 2005 and six, my brother committed suicide and I, I left. I came back in 2011. I left and then I came back in 2014. I stayed since. I started off as a part-time admin assistant and I worked my way up to the executive director. When I first started, I went up to Deshenle. It's a mountain. It's one of our, where our ancestors migrated to get to Arctic Village. Um, and when I went there, it was in 2014 or 15. And, you know, after high school, I did walk away from my culture. I lost my identity. I just really was not in, a, um, it, it's hard living in two different worlds. And... Explain that. Well, growing up, you know, we, we really survived off of our land. Then we could go to the store and buy something. You know, we can go there and we didn't have to work as hard, you know. And, but the, the work, it makes, us, it makes us stronger. It makes us wiser. It, we have to hang on to that. And I didn't go out. Um, I used to go out every summer fishing. I quit doing that. I quit just going out onto the land. And when you do that, you start losing a little bit of that. And I started re-engaging when I went up to Deshenle. You know, I asked Creator for forgiveness for being disconnected for so long. Because when I went up there, something just came over me and I just started crying. And, um, you know, I said, I'm here now to share in my responsibility as a Gwich'in. And I just understood, like... I, if you go there, you're gonna, there's just something special about this place. I don't know how to explain it. We've had many people that were in the military. They, you know, they go to war, they go across seas and they come back and they're struggling with their mind. And um, a lot of them started going up to the, not to the coastal plain, go to the Arctic refuge. And, um, and they say they find a sense of peace. And, and you know, um, that's what I mean. That's what I felt. And I totally understood how a lot of, and you know, I, I really believe that creator has bring all of us together. You, me, many of us that are in this movement brought us together because 
this is not an easy fight, you know, like, but people need to understand that we're not asking for anything, we're not asking for money, we're not asking for oil, we're not asking for jobs, we're asking to live off of this land that Creator blessed us with. We're asking to keep our identity, to keep our animals healthy, and to live and thrive off the land and animals that we were blessed with. That's what, we're, that's what we want, and that's not asking for much. You know, going to places down here, it's so fast. Everything, like, people are just constantly going fast. And, you know, I brought one of my elders to um, D.C. And I had to take him back to the hotel about four, four to five times a day so he can settle down. He said, this is too fast. He said, people race against time. That's no way to live. He, um, and he opened my eyes because when I remember, it seems like a lifetime ago, that I first started traveling. And I remember I felt that way, I get anxiety. And it's just, you know, I had to go, when I went in New York, um, I had to go to the, the Central Park just to get a little bit of, it's just so much concrete. And I kind of understand why people get so disconnected. You need land, you need trees, you need water, you need mountains, you need, I mean, we need it. We need that natural life. And, you know, we all have our own spiritual path. We may have the same beliefs, the same, you know, being raised the same way, and, but we all have our own spiritual paths and we are all going to be held accountable for our behavior, for the stuff that we do on this earth. And, you know, just being respectful and understanding that we have to coexist. Let's discuss that. Because right now, you're part of the fight. You're in is with that coexistence. Um, for people who don't know the fight, um, obviously, um, the Arctic has a lot of oil um, there. And there's folks who want that oil to literally for their profits and for their industry. Um, and they don't care how they get it. And they've done a lot of things that have been... Um, Let's just say that they've done a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, for a long time, the Arctic was protected. And now, um, with the new administration, um, it is no longer. But for, the, for somebody who just doesn't, hear, doesn't know anything about that fight, walk them through what that fight is. What, what's the political background? But particularly, what is it that is the fight that you said was brought to you? Um, well, for the last 30 years, like I said, the Gwich'in people gathered in 1988, and that's where they organized the Gwich'in Steering Committee. So I have four Canadian board members, four U.S., um, because we represent the entire Gwich'in nation, which is 14 communities. There's not just one community. Um, I think people get that confused. Um, this is a whole Gwich'in nation. Like, we all have our own tribes, our own... But the one thing we stand united on is the protection of the Arctic refuge. And so, um, you know, many of our leaders um, from the past, you know, Norma Cassie, Sarah James, Jonathan Solomon, they all paved this way. Um, and it was protected. I believe in when Clinton was president, I guess it passed the House and uh, Senate and he vetoed it. Um, and then... Uh, um, in 2017, 
you know, this very toxic um, tax act that they had. Um, you know, Senator Murkowski was not voting in their favor. They just threw the Arctic Refuge in there, which it had nothing to do with taxes. Um, and explain when that was. That was, that was in ago. December 2017. I'll never forget because it was at my husband's birthday. Mm. And, um, you know, um, that was hard. That was hard because I've been going down. We've been testifying for the House, the Senate. And one thing that was really, really hard for me to just accept was that we sat down there. We went down. And we had one of our amazing leaders, Sam Alexander, testify on our behalf. And while he was testifying, this side was full of Democrats. This side was Republican. There was not one Republican sitting there except for Lisa Murkowski. We shared from our hearts. We spoke about facts. We spoke about what was passed down from generation to generation. And only when it was time to vote, only when it was time for them to vote, they all piled in and voted against. They didn't, they didn't even have the respect to sit there and listen what was going to happen to our people. And, um, and that was hard. That was, that was hard for me because I've never saw and experienced something like that. These are the people we're voting in, people that don't respect indigenous rights. They want to benefit off of our colonization. And that was really, that was like, even the, the men that were down there, I could tell that was really frustrating for them. You know, I, I broke down crying, honestly. Um, and I know a lot of people feel that's a sign of weakness that, I'm hurt. There's nothing I can do for my people, I feel. There's no way to stop this. But I do believe that our voice is important, and it's one of the powerful tools that we have, and we have to keep using it. But we matter. You know, we matter. Our children matter. Our, you know, we are so spiritually and culturally connected to our land, to our water, and to our animals. And, um, and it hurts us when those are being damaged and destroyed. And right now in Alaska, you know, we have Don Young and Sullivan and Murkowski. Their state, we are literally living in ground zero climate change. We have dead fish in our lakes and our oceans and our rivers. We have um, just filled, it's filled, just, it was in crazy looking dead birds literally falling out of the sky. We even have, do you know what ticks are? Yes. Little yucky creatures. Yes. They, we have those. I never even heard of a tick until the year before um, last year, April. And, um, and we have 33 coastal communities falling, literally eroding into the ocean. And they want to continue drilling. They don't have no plan to help our people right now. There's like two to three of our communities that are being, that are going to have to move. No ifs, ends, or buts. They got to move. And our elected leadership wants to push drilling. Let's, let's get into that. I know recently you were down 
explain what how the BLM and the Bureau of Land Management has an impact on this on this process in the Arctic as well. Sure, that's a whole different. You know, it's just like we just have everything stacked against us. That's how it's been feeling. But we're just we're just really hanging in there. The BLM came in. Um, so first off, you this the 1002 area, the Arctic Refuge, Ejikwatsen Gondaigodlitis federal land and um, they had public hearings but they only had it in Alaska and one in DC that's where we were when you um, you helped us with a uh, um, rally and the rest of the US should have a say you know you can't just pick and choose who who can speak um, and so they came in and they tried silencing our voice they tried to have a um, you know court reporter over in the corner, but our people were like, no, you know we demanded to be heard publicly. It's a public speaking, so um, they they caved on that and they um, allowed us. But they tried to say we did it violently, which we're not violent people, you know. Um, our elders in the the they told us to go out and tell the world that we're here to do it in a good way and do not compromise our position. That do it in a good way, that's such a simple sentence, but it's hard when we're up against so much dishonesty and misleading statements. But the BLM, they are, um, they are not neutral and they are not on our side. They, um, they came in and, you know, and BLM is Bureau of Land Management. Yeah, because, oh, yeah, I gotta because, remember because this. Black Lives Matter is on our side. <laughs> yes, I know. We, I, you we, know what? I actually together. have to say that because we, I, we, I, we, 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 together. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so the, the Bureau of Land Management came in. So where I'm from, Fort Yukon, they were planning to honor our traditional chief. And um, this was planning for like four to six months. This was a long process. About a week before that, honoring our traditional chief, we get an email from the, um, from the uh, interior. And they're like, we're coming on this day. You know, we need, you know, this kind of like a, not very respectful, you know, government-to-government uh, -government consultation it takes a um, communication, right? Like a, respectful communication and so my tribe told them that um you know we're we're busy that day we can't we're honoring our traditional chief and they basically said we're coming anyway so when they came the people that literally needed to be in that meeting were not you know um there there's just no respect here and we're just not going to allow them to come in do whatever they want and leave, not when our children are going to live with the decisions that they make. The destruction, the destruction that they cause, my children are going to have to live through it. Our people are going to be the ones who live in it. They come in, they make their money, and they leave. You know, um, and that's just not, we're not going to continue to allow that. There's been a bit of good news. Uh, we've had, obviously, there's been a, a big fight um, where people have been looking at the money. Um, very closely, and they've been looking at specifically. There's been campaigns called "Stop the Money Pipeline," the Divest campaign, um, particularly after 
And during the Standing Rock protest, people were targeting banks like Wells Fargo. But recently, we've had some wins. Or actually, I want to wins from our standpoint. I want to get your take on if it's a win or what it is, obviously. But we've had some things where banks like Chase Bank and other banks have said that they will no longer um, finance drilling in the Arctic, or uh, insurance companies will no longer insure those products. So, is how does that when you and you heard that? Do you, is they for granted so? How do you feel about that? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, we've been working on that for two years. We, you know, we've literally been going to New York meeting with them, with the financial institutes. I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. So I was me too. Like I was really surprised. I'm going to be honest. Going to New York, talking to people that will never understand our way of life, it was hard because leaving there, going there, and going to DC, it. Kind of was similar, but, you know, when we went um, to the banks, it took two years to do that. It took two years to get them to get on board, and we're not done. We're going, we're going to go back. You're breaking some news here. <laughs> Keep going. I, I didn't know. Please. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so back in 2000, right on my birthday, we sent them a letter um, from the Gwich'in Nation, um, along with, I think it was 2.2 trillion dollars in assets, you know, for um, other financial institutes that stand with us not to, um, not to drill in the refuge. And that was like two years ago, we sent that. And so then we, that same year, uh, about October, we flew to New York and met with them. And then we met with them again this last October and um, just pressured them. We, you know, we were like, be the first ones to come out. Like, it's, you know, like, one person does something, the rest follow, kind of. So we were telling them, come on, do it. And so I was really happy when um, Goldman Sachs came out. You know, they were first, and then J.P. Um, Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo. You know, it's, like I said, our voice. Um, and I think if anything good is going to come from this administration, it's going to be unity amongst the people. And... Um, one thing, the way I always try to work is try to remember that climate change does not care what color we are. Don't care if we're black, brown, don't care if we're rich or poor. We're all going to be negatively impacted and that we need to start coming together and we need to start working together um, to address it. It's just, it's such a serious issue. and. Um, and we need to really come together as a peoples. If we love our children, we have to. We have to stick our differences aside. And we need to come together and address this. I know we can't stop it. We can't stop climate change. But we can start, you know, slowing it down. We can, we have to. We have to do better for our kids. I know you won't say this. I will say this. Um, you are an inspiration. Um, your story is riveting. How would you, though, because you are a grandmother, that's what you actually say, so I'm a grandmother first, not an activist. Mm -hmm. um, on a number of fronts, how does spirituality, um, how does it, as a woman um, and as a leader, how do all those things come together to make you so strong to go to D.C., to go to New York, to go to these places and demand that your people live? Well, 
I'm not a religious person, but I'm very spiritual. Um, just like we need food, you got to pray, you know. Um, and I always take that every morning. I have to. Um, I've been through some, you know, I just lost my son in November, so it really got me in a, a, a really rough place for a while. And your son was murdered. My son was murdered. He was shot like four times with a shotgun. And, um, but the good thing is like, you know, my son, he, he recorded it. So the guy is going away. That was really hard, just, just losing him, but to find out how in such a violent way. Um, so, like November. In November 14. Oh, like 90 days ago or Yes. So it's, it's been hard. I was, I was going to walk away from work and just take, but um, it does help me too. You know, just rem reminding myself that um, I know he's with me. I can feel him. I don't know, as a mother, you, there's just a, you know, you and your child's nearby. And he may be gone, but he's not. And, um, and he's always in my heart. I just never thought my son would be my ancestor, you know. I, um, but I feel him rooting me on. He was one of my biggest supporters. And um, I just got to remember that, like, this is, this is a very spiritual battle for all of us. And um, just remembering that we can't live without water. We cannot live in dirty air. We have to have clean air, clean water, clean land. And the thing in Alaska that a lot of people do not understand is that we live off of our land. We live off seasonals, the, the moose, the caribou, the seals, the whales, the salmon. Those are our food security. Like it's still 80 to 90% of our food. And right now though, it's being threatened. Um, and that's one thing that a lot of us have in common is we want to protect our food security. I can't live off store-bought food. When I travel, I'm going to be honest, this is weird, but when I travel, I go home, my husband always has to make me store-bought, I mean, make me, um, like, when I come home, I'll have fish or moose or caribou, something traditional, and I'm not, this is so, but I'll eat it, and I'll just feel uh, like a strength, and um, and that made me remember that there's a, there's an old folks home in Fairbanks, and um, a lot of our elders will go there until their time, and they and then we they sent them back home because a lot of them know when their time is coming. They say we want to go home, and they'll allow them to. Um, they want to you know pass on um, to the spirit world in our homelands, and so. There, this nurse, she told me that, you know, I used to bring my aunt, my uncle, um, um, fish and dry meat and salmon strips. She said, you know, when you bring that food to them, she said, they, she noticed this. She said, after the first few times, they would get up and start walking. Be, you know, they kind of just have to sit there. But she said, it's just like it gives them, you know, a little bit of strength. And that's true. That's historically, we've been told that our food, when our elders don't get it, um, they start getting sick and wearing down. And so that's why it's always um, in Fairbanks, you'll see a lot of us bringing our food to, um, to our elders in those 
um, old folks' homes. Let's speak about that for a second, actually more so on the indigenous side. The indigenous movement has been very powerful for many years. It just didn't start three, five, or ten years ago, mm -hmm. as we know. But particularly, there has been some great wins, and there have been awesome, great, um, I would say, being seen, I would say, more so than anything else, um, from the Keystone XL pipeline fight, um, the Dakota Access pipeline fight, the fight in the Arctic, the fights in, in, in Canada. Um, um, it seems like within the environmental movement that you, you begin to see much more of the indigenous fights, what's happening in, in Brazil, um, in the Amazon, in um, Honduras. Um, but you've seen two things. You've seen those fights being on the forefront, but you've seen the state viciously attacking what we saw in Standing Rock, the killing of Britta Caceres in Honduras, what we see in the Arctic. Um, how do you reconcile one? Is it one with all these fights, is something happening where just that folks are attacking this culture and then just fighting back? Or is it, is it, is it a moment in which it's just that this cultures are saying enough is enough is enough? I think <clears throat> I think that the, we're making um, we're ruffling feathers, you know. Where people are getting upset because they're so used to running over us, um, they're so used to you know. But now there's an uprising of indigenous peoples, not just in the U.S. but all across the world, and we're making the connection of coming together. Um, you know, it's it's a powerful movement. I um I, I just want to just really quickly apologize. I the Tongva tribe, the peoples that were on their traditional lands, and I should have started off with that, but um, I just want to recognize that we are on Tongva land, the Tongva peoples, um, and they're a local tribe that's not federally recognized, and um, their land is completely being run over by concrete. And, um, and they, they have a little area. We went and looked at it. It's their spiritual land. And um, I just want to recognize and, um, you know, send my blessings to them right the now. Tongva land meaning representing a place called Los Angeles. Yeah, correct. Okay. Yes, Tangva. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it's, you know, we went and we got, they told us their story, Angela, um, her name is. I've met her six years ago. She was like pretty surprised from six years ago when I first started. Um, full, you know, as Gwich'in people, we are not, nobody ever sit us down and say, oh, this, this place is sacred to our people. You got to protect it. We just always knew it in our hearts. So all of us do stand united to protect it. Um, so there's, there is an uprising also of Gwich'in people. We have a new council, a youth council. In 2017, when Trump's administration opened our sacred lands to oil and gas development, our leaders decided we need to have the younger generation start learning and getting, you know. So we have um, the very first Kitchen Youth International Kitchen Youth Council, um, and uh, they're up and coming, and they're amazing. All of the girls, there's all girls, one boy, they're all hunters. All, oh man, I just can't wait till they get out there and, but yeah, they all hunt. Um, and, you know, I always remind them that you're the experts. 
You guys are the experts of this land and you're going out to share. And, you know, when I take them to D.C., I always tell them, like, if you go out with this person, you know, one of the staffers, only one of you will come back on the land. You know, that you know this is your, this is how you were brought up. You can survive. And they, they never were raised the way we were. Our common senses are different. It don't make us any, you know, less smart than the other. Just different lifestyles. And we've got to respect each other's lifestyles. As long as your life, your what beliefs... What you say you have to respect each other's lifestyles? Yeah, I, I think we have to respect the way, like, you know, people choose to live in Los Angeles. That's their life. I respect that. But they should respect that I want to keep my land the way it is and live the way I've always lived. As long as your way of life and your identity, your your beliefs are not negatively impacting me or my people, then I respect the way you want to live. But you can't be coming into my homeland to, to benefit for your life. You know, we matter. I mean, you know, a lot of us are grandparents and there are mothers or fathers. We have real jobs. We live our daily lives, not, not bothering you. So why should you come in here and destroy our lives? so that you can continue to live the way you want, you know, the, your high-level lives. And that's not, that, that's not okay with us. That's just, you know, that's a colonization that happens. You know, um, before they used to come in and just shove our people out, right? Now they're using it. Now it's a different way. It's with gas and oil and, you know, coal and so... I just, I, I truly believe that the people of color, um, it's, it, that's why there's a rise in so much violence, you know, because the people of color are uniting, we're coming together, and, um, and we're rising up. I, it scares people. Let me ask you a question on your hopefulness. Um, the Arctic, many say, like the Amazon, and this for those who are wondering, in Antarctica, it was not too long ago, 65 degrees um, in February. Um, I'm sure you being from the Arctic, you know, that's a very scary situation when it's getting up to that level of temperature. Um, so my question to you is that many have said that as the Arctic goes, so does the world. Um, if these fossil fuel companies somehow drill in your community, your nation, the rest of us in Laura 48 will clearly be impacted because of climate change. Because of the greed, many people are saying they're winning. Are you hopeful? What are you... What, as a grandmother, as, this, as a human being, as you kind of look forward, how hopeful are you for the next generation? Um, <clears throat> so you mentioned greed, you know. Um, I know people say, oh, well, we'll be rich. I just want to clarify, we are already rich. We're rich in our culture, we're rich in our spirituality and our ways of life. We have, the, we have water, we have clean water. We have animals that 
you know, that we eat. And we have a healthy land right now. So we are already rich in, in the way we want to be rich. And, um, you know, I'm, I always have hope, even when times are hard, like, I have to have hope. If I don't have that, um, I just, I, I don't think I can take the next step. So that's why I said that you always have to take time every morning to pray over your mind. You have to pray for protection. This is, I, I keep saying this, this is a spiritual battle as well. And you have to pray for your spirit. You have to pray for your mind. It's easy to get bro break, break down in this work. Um, you can feel broken and defeated, especially when you're up against this administration, right? They don't care. They don't care about um, the people that they're hurting. They twist things into their um, benefit. Um, but I come from strong people, and, um, and giving up is just not an option for us. We don't have that ability, and, but we also can't, shut it off at it's not a like nine to five you know this is always on our mind and we are worried you know i look across my um the communities and there's people that are frustrated that are angry upset sad and um but one thing is that we're not giving up you know um we we can't this is our livelihood this is our way of life this is our tradition our culture um, and it is all interconnected. Bernadette, I just want to say, what can people do? What, what would be your call to action? How can they follow you and um, the youth council? And but what, what what would you want people to do now? If you can speak to them, which you are, what what, what would you tell them? Sure. Um, so, write to your congressman. You know, Huffman. Uh, he's been very supportive. He's been our actually our um, champion to protect the Arctic. But just continue to write to Congress. Um, our website is our Arctic Refuge, O U R A R C T I C Refuge.org. Um, we do have a Kuchin Steering Committee Facebook page. Um, and, you know, share our story. Um, and, you know, reach out if you guys are doing anything we would be happy to come and share our story we do speak for ourselves we do we have a lot of people that can share how um connected we are to the arctic refuge to the coastal plain and to the caribou um but the one thing that we do ask is for people just to share our story write your congress um we're, we're taking it to the united nations if there's any public events i mean excuse me public comments coming out please show up and speak in our favor um, the, um, we're taking it to the UN. We actually submitted a 10,000 word report that's being, they asked to publish it. Um, and um, we're, 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 right now we're, we're waiting for the record of decision to come out. And when that does, our attorneys are on the sidelines right now, just waiting for that. They keep pushing it off. Um, yeah, just uplift our story and write to Congress, um, show your support. And we kind of been using the hashtag stand with the Gwich in um, protect the Arctic refuge. Oh, I love it. And I guess two, two last things. One, um, this is a fun thing. Um, well, maybe fun. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see in a second how fun <laughs> it is. But um, 
if you were, if you could tell your elders in your native tongue about protect the Arctic, how would you say it? Hmm. And I'll act real old so you can feel like you know, <laughs> that's how old. So <laughs> I just said thank you, my relatives, my relation. Um, that's just another thing in our culture. That's why it's um, important to protect these places because our language is a part of our land and our culture. And a lot of us um, don't speak it. I understand, but I only speak um, very little. And um, trying to change that, there's only like 400 fluent Gwich'in speakers now. And um, at our first Gwich'in gathering in 88, that's, um, you could watch that too. It's called Netz uh, Ayi. So Gwich'in gathering, 1988, that's Ayi, that's Ayi or I'll share it with you after. But when there is somebody that um, translated, so they speak in Dinji Zuka all the way through the um, video, and it's translated at the bottom. So it's just such a big change from 88 to now. Like, we all use English, and back then it was just all Dinji Zuka. So I said two things. So that was the elders. Now if you can talk to your young people. What would you tell them? This, and this, you had to be your native. Like, mm -hmm. what, what would you just, what would be your parting words? And this is not only for young people who are in the Arctic, but young people all over this world who are ready to fight this climate crisis. What would, sure. what, what would your words, that be to them? Whatever you believe in, you know, whoever you pray to, just take that time every morning, ground yourself, and take care of yourself first. Um, and always remember that, you know, your voice is one of the most powerful tools that you have and that you need to use it. Um, and remember that jealousy comes with the work. Bitterness comes with the work. Um, surround yourself with support people that you can trust and talk to because um, you need that. You need that, um, you need that love and compassion because in this work, it's not always easy. Um, and just to re always remember that you're speaking for seven generations and to do this in a very good way, do it in a good way. That's the way you work with others, the way you talk, and it's even the way you think. So, you know, kind of practice what you preach. And on that note, this is Bernadette Diemtiff is the executive director of the Gwich'in Steering Committee. Is a Gwich'in, the Gwich'in Steering Committee was formed in 1988 and respond to proposals to drill for oil in the sacred place where life begins. The coastal plain of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. The Gwich'in Steering Committee represents the Gwich'in throughout Alaska and Canada and their efforts to protect their traditional way of life and oppose drilling in the Arctic refuge as it threatens their human rights. Bernadette, all power to the people and thank you so much.
for being on the coolest show. Climate change. <laughs> Merci, Joe, for having me. That was Bernadette Dementif, Executive Director of the Gwich'in Steering Committee. Follow the Gwich'in Steering Committee on Twitter at Our Arctic Refuge. Visit their site and donate at OurArcticRefuge.com. Please also take action and add your name to our petition to protect the Arctic at Think100Climate.com slash Arctic. That's Think100Climate.com slash Arctic. The stakes are so high. At It is the fall of 2020. And the Trump administration is doing everything they can to open 1.6 million acres of the coastal plain of the Arctic National Refuge to oil and gas development. They want to accomplish this before the end of the year. It will take the power of the people to stop this. This episode is part one of three episodes in our Protect the Arctic series on The Coolest Show. Hope you are moved by the conversation with Bernadette. Please to part two with Chad Brown and part three with Isaiah Horace. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a nonprofit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the people. Think 100, 100.